Welcome to Strings Attached, the latest podcast on the Pointcast Network. If you broke your arm, most people would not tell you just to forget about it or to pray the pain away. However, if you share an emotionally traumatic experience with someone, you might hear one of those responses. Oftentimes, when discussing trauma, we don't address the physiology of trauma, how exactly trauma is held in our bodies. On today's show, we'll be talking more about that. I'm your host, Sasha Estrella-Jones, and with me is Sandy Lulu, who has over 15 years of experience in the mental health field. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. So you have done a lot uh, in your career. You have served as a director of the NYU Mental Health Facility. You've been the supervising clinician at the Arab American Association of New York. You've mentored graduate students at NYU who are looking to go into the mental health field. And you have experience with those who are suffering from addiction, domestic violence survivors, as well as providing culturally competent care for immigrants, specifically those from the Middle East. So thank you so much. I'm humbled to have you in my presence. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here today and to talk about uh, what we know about trauma. Yeah, so... From your many years in the field, I'm pretty sure you've seen all types of trauma that range across, uh, you know, whether it be domestic violence, addiction, survivors of sexual assault, et cetera. But I know for me, I don't, I know, you know, there's trauma, but I don't necessarily understand the link between the emotions that I'm feeling and what's going on in our bodies. So is there actually even a connection between the two? Are our feelings related to our body? Yes, actually, there's there's a very strong connection between our emotional experience and, and our body, uh, specifically our brain. Um, so when you go through trauma, or when you go through trauma, our brain functions may shift into automatic survival response. Mm. which are known uh, as freeze, fight, or flight. Uh, you cannot control these reactions. Our brain takes over and it directs all of our mental and physical energy towards dealing with the immediate threat until it's gone away. So it's basically our brain's way of ensuring our survival from danger after trauma. The brain can easily be triggered by sensory input, reading normal circumstances as, as danger. Um, and many times uh, this fades away and sometimes the body unfortunately will get stuck. And when that happens, the automatic survival mode is on full blast, making it difficult for us to function as we'd like. So trauma can change the way we think, the way we feel and act for a long time after the initial event. Wow, that is very interesting because it takes away from me this myth that, oh, just get over it. I can just think my way out of it. But from what you said, even if I'm trying to do that, my body, by the way my brain is created and how it works, holds on to that. You had mentioned the word trigger which is something we hear a lot if you're on social media or you just read, you know, trigger warning, or, you know, you hear that a lot of times when talking about safe spaces, but what exactly does it mean to be triggered from a physiological perspective? 
We don't know precisely how triggers are formed. We know that triggers can cause an emotional reaction before a person realizes why they they have become upset. We know that triggers have a strong sensory connection. So your, your sight, sound, taste, smell, or even touch. Our trauma response can be activated not only by the trauma itself, but also by the stimuli uh, that reminds us of the trauma or that makes us think about the trauma. So for example, if you smell something that you had smelt on the day of the, the initial trauma, that could really trigger the whole memory back again. And it promotes an increase of uh, this hypervigilance um, in the body. So there's this emotional and a physical response to the trauma by the mere fact that there was something that triggered the memory of it or brought it into our awareness. Wow, that's fascinating to me because it's clear that our brain stores trauma as memories. Memories, even if we push away or we try to act like it didn't happen, the way the wiring is set up is that one thing can take you fully back to a moment. So with that being said, then, is there any hope? Because that can kind of sound a little bit frightening that anything traumatic, I go, I, that can sound a bit intimidating that any traumas I've experienced are stored in my body and stored in the brain. Is there a way through that? Is there anything we can do about that? Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of hope. One thing that the brain um, is capable of um, is that it's capable of changing and uh, it's adaptable and susceptible to change. Um, This is something that we call neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to form new connections and it supports the reverse of the effect of trauma. So the brain can actually build new and better uh, neural pathways, which gives us a chance to identify support and practice positive coping skills. And throughout the healing process, a person will require to be very present and mindful in the moment uh, because there's a lot going on in the brain. The body is feeling different things, um, but it is possible for a person to uh, overcome this through a lot of support, positive self-care, treatment. Uh, It's something that can be overcome for sure. So what's an example? Because Well, you said, I'm like, oh, I'm intrigued. So this doesn't mean all is doomed. What's an example of a new behavior that say, if a trigger for me was hearing hearing a particular sound that reminded me of someone who committed harm to me. So every, every time I hear that sound, let's say I think about that person. And that specific example what could be something that starts to rewire that, that plays with my brain's neuroplasticity? So eventually when I hear this sound, I'm not all of a sudden trapped into thinking about this person and feeling like I want to fight, flight, or fight. So, you know, the, the simple answer is becoming more aware about the connection and recognizing that this sound uh, or this experience uh, is a trigger. So becoming aware of that is important. Being able to also recognize the signs and symptoms 
within the, uh, the, the thought process, the emotional experience, and also the physical experience. And thinking about ways to prepare in terms of managing that. So if, if the individual who's experiencing a trigger uh, discusses that with their therapist, for example, there are different techniques that can be used uh, to support in desensitizing the individual to those triggers and even supporting them in finding uh, ways to, uh, to respond to them in a positive way rather than uh, a way that feels triggering to their trauma or to, to their um, automatic response system. So you are also a clinical therapist, correct? Yes, I am. So in your practice of seeing patients, what are some of the tools that you would give? I know all, all of our audience members might not be in therapy and also there's stigma, especially in communities of color of even trying it for the first time. But from what you said, there's so many benefits that it has specifically for learning how to desensitize from these traumas. So what are some coping skills that you've given patients or what are some what is some advice that you would give to someone who might be interested but intimidated about starting to do this trauma work? So if someone is um, is feeling ambivalent about therapy uh, but is, is becoming more aware of their experience with trauma and how it's impacting their day-to-day life, their relationships, their ability to focus, uh, just feeling uh, anxious and fearful all the time, uh, starting with self-care. Uh, I know that we use the word self-care now in the age of COVID uh, loosely, but self-care is really a great tool for the uh, person to also navigate um, a lot of the physiological components related to trauma. So for example, um, practicing meditation, deep breathing exercises, uh, going out for a walk, uh, trying to practice grounding exercises could really help the body feel that it's a bit more relaxed. Your cortisol levels will decrease, you'll oxygenate your body, and you start developing a more of a positive experience with, with your body and even with your thought process. To do that with intentionality is something that can help you make a connection between the physical experience of perhaps running or even walking and the, the positive impact that's having on your mood or on your uh, experience overall. Uh, meditation is, is a really great tool for that as well, because uh, especially in the beginning phase, it might be challenging because the mind sometimes really, you know, with the, uh, the flight response really kind of takes charge, but helping the mind recognize that it's in a safe place or the body's in a safe place. Um, and that this is something that is helpful uh, to feel more grounded and in the moment. Uh, for some, it could also be a connection to spirituality, uh, to religion, uh, to their higher power, calling a friend that they feel uh, connected to, and finding ways to cultivate positive and new connections, or maybe uh, rediscovering things that they used to like to do. Uh, so a lot of a lot of self care and just helping themselves be in the moment um, and be very intentional with that. You used a word that I want to touch back on: intentional. Because you know, I'm here like, oh, self care. Should I just go get my nails done? Is that going to help me? 
But based on what you're saying, it has to be intentional. So I have a question for you, Sandy. Um, One of the points you've just made that I want to touch back on is spirituality and religion. Sometimes that can almost be at odds with mental health. You know, I started off this podcast today with some of the things I've heard, which is pray the pain away. So what's a healthy way that you can use your spiritual and your religious beliefs to help you move through traumas that are having a real hold on your body's ability to cope? So when we're talking about spirituality and for uh, people who do practice religious, uh, a certain religion or philosophy, there is a deep intention uh, and mindfulness that goes into that. It's, it's all about the meditative uh, work, uh, the setting the intention. Um, when talking about religion, it's in terms of what I'm trying to say, isn't that to pray the pain away, but it's really to take a moment and to think about one's purpose. Uh, how is one growing? Uh, the connection to community, to uh, a congregation, for example. So it's really about the the spiritual connection, you know, and connection is something that uh, really helps us uh, overcome trauma. You know, when we're connecting with something or someone or with a thought uh, or an experience that we feel really good about and we feel... Um, that we are living it in this moment, it really helps us develop a sense of self and with a purpose of healing, with the purpose of being able to feel grounded. And at the same time, feel like you have a tribe, you have people with you, you have uh, people that you can connect with. Mm, I really can resonate with that. Oftentimes when you experience a trauma, it's like you experience it, you know, on a personal level, because it is personal, but the fact that healing is a collective act. And if I'm understanding you, Sandy, correctly, you're saying that spirituality and for those who practice religion can be used to help you feel that community that will assist in coping and getting you through this. I think that's a really beautiful note. Yes, absolutely. And, and also to think about the collective communities that have experienced adverse, uh, adverse experiences overall, coming together and um, in prayer or joining um, in a sermon or talking about uh, humanity and, and, and humility is something that also can be a collective healing experience uh, for communities. I have one final question for you, Sandy, because what this is making me curious about is when you are now having these positive uh, experiences, what is going on in your brain when you're learning to cope differently, when you feel you're supported in community, when you feel there's a higher purpose, you know, on when you feel there's a higher purpose for your life, is there something different that's going on in your body? Like, you, we talked about neuroplasticity, but how does that work when you're experiencing these happy things? Well, these happy things, as you call them, um, really helps the individual um, reconnect with a sense of security and mm. hope and trust. So, um, you know, if a person doesn't feel secure in their environment, 
and they're on edge. And at any moment, there's this feeling that something could happen. It's really hard for them to be able to be in the moment and to be intentional in their, in their day to day. So um, that is something that once the feeling of security, the feeling of trust, the feeling of connectiveness uh, happens, that really gives the individual room to try their absolute best to be in the moment. Thank you for that final word, Sandy. I'm coming away with mindfulness, actually being aware and being in your body is what helps your body heal. And thank you for that. I also want to say thank you to our listeners for your participation. We want to encourage listeners to continue this discussion through our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram at Pointcaster. This podcast is brought to you in part by LEI Productions, a studio for podcasters, musicians, and Pointcast News. To listen to any of our podcasts, please go to our website at pointcast.news or visit us at Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Hope you can join us next time. And remember, we are all works in progress trying to navigate the human experience. Be gentle with yourself, stay blessed, and find something this week to do just for you. With love always, your host, Sasha Estrella-Jones.